Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware and Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. And welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic from the business owner's or executive's perspective. We aren't necessarily telling you what to do, but we can put you in a position to make an informed decision on your own and understand when you might need help along the way. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Ware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia. Brady Ware is sponsoring this podcast, which is being recorded in Atlanta for social distancing protocols. If you like this podcast, please subscribe in your favorite podcast aggregator, and please consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. So today's topic is, should my next job be my own business? And, um, you know, I I think this is, as we record this now on September 18th, which means it's probably going to come out in probably the middle or second half of October. But I'm, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the world will not have changed terribly much in the intervening time. Um, I think a lot of people are being faced with this decision. Um, you know, not, not, to, not to be a, a doomsayer or a Debbie Downer or whatnot. But, um, you know, the fact of the matter is that a lot of jobs that have been lost are not coming back very quickly. Some of them may not be at all. And, um, uh, you know, some of us have... The, the savings and wealth that, um, you know, we can kind of hold out for the market to come back around. And, and frankly, um, if statistics are to believe, you know, a lot of us don't have that kind of, of financial cushion. And, um, you know, a choice I think that many people are likely thinking about is, you know, can I take my considerable talents into the entrepreneurial sector? And, you know, I, I think that, you know, America, like everybody else, like like all other countries, is far from a perfect place. But one thing that is easy to do here is to start and and launch your own business. And I think in a lot of ways, it's never been been easier to do that, at least from a from a mechanical perspective. Um, but you know, that's a, that's that's not an, an easy decision. We we make it look easy. We glorify the entrepreneur in American society. In fact, I would argue that that one of the things that makes America unique is that we are the one society of which I'm aware that positions the entrepreneur as a folk hero. Um, and I don't know of any place in the world that, that, that quite, that quite does that. And really to the point where, you know, you, you almost feel if you're not quote entrepreneur, you feel like well, something wrong with me. Um, um, and, and, and that's not the case. In fact, if the whole world were entrepreneurs, We'd never get anything done. We would never, um, we'd never aggregate talent and capital because <clears throat> nobody would take direction from anybody else. Um, and um, uh, you know, given kind of the environment, you know, where you know now we're applauding the fact that there are eight hundred fifty thousand dollar new eight hundred fifty thousand new unemployment claims in a given week. You know that that's that's still a staggering number. It's just not as staggering as two million, which is where we were a few weeks ago. And so I think this topic of of helping you walk through and and really walk in the shoes of somebody who's who's really been through it, uh, maybe not quite under the same circumstances, but I think you'll agree that it really does get you to the same place. I think is going to be a very instructive 
uh, uh, journey that I think you can learn some some lessons of what to do. And I have a feeling there'll be a uh, uh, there'll be a sentence or two about what not to do as well. So uh, you know, buckle up. And I think this is going to be this is going to be a really good uh, really good show. And and joining us today is my dear friend Stacy Reese. And we have been arguing for the last ten minutes of when we last saw each other. I think we've settled in that probably sometime before the last total solar eclipse is when it was. Um, but she's CEO of Dallas and Home, whose motto is Southern women don't have attitudes, we have standards. Down South House and Home offers high-quality Southern-themed home goods with clean, classic designs. Down South House and Home is for Southern women who wanted to grow up and be Atticus Finch. They're for Southern women who would fight to the death for their grandmother's cast-iron collection. They're for Southern women who value equality, literacy, and hospitality. They're for Southern women who know how to act in a cow pasture or a country club. They're for Southern women with resolute characters and gracious disposition. They're for Southern women who hoard bacon fat. They make things in a tiny red barn in Clarkston, Georgia. They don't pretend that they live in a perfect camera-ready house, and they don't expect that you do either. But if your home is like theirs, there's a lot of laughter, love, and piles of precious memories in every corner. The way they see it, if your home has that, then it's beautiful. Stacy has a long and varied career, including as a scientific advisor, a patent analyst, a facilitator of biotechnology business in Georgia and the Southeast. She is a daughter of the American Revolution and holds a bachelor degree in chemistry from the University of Georgia and a PhD in organic chemistry from Carnegie Mellon University. So as an aside, Organic chemistry is basically the class that convinces people who think they want to be doctors not to be doctors. That's what that's the class that washes people out in pre-med and medical school more often than not. So she got a PhD in it. In other words, this lady is really smart and she's awesome. And she is Stacy Reese. Thank you for coming on the program. Hey, Michael Blake. It's so good to see you again and hear hear your voice. Well, thank you. It's great. It's great to see you again as as well. If you ever need to fix or 82 podcasts of this stuff before us. So, you know, just just feel free to turn that on in the background when you're fighting for somebody's cast iron pan. <laughs> um, so, you know, your, your your story, I think, is is so fascinating, as I said in the introduction, because I think a lot of people are finding themselves in, in a decision as and the decision, frankly, really is is there another job out for me, right? The, the music has stopped. Um, there are a lot fewer chairs and there are people kind of dancing around them. Is there a job for me? And do I need to think about creating my own job? And so I think your origin story for Down South House and Home is, is very instructive in this regard. So can you talk a little bit about what you're do, what, what you were doing before you started started Down South House and Home? Well, it's a long and torrid story. Um, I was working for the state of Georgia um, as a a facilitator of innovation. And uh, I had a a pretty good big budget. It was about uh, $270,000. And uh, basically an old white man came and tried to raid my budget. And I stood up to him and he used his power to get me run off derail my career. And uh, the science community in Georgia is pretty small. And uh, there wasn't a whole lot of employment for me after after that happened. So I started uh, with an information security startup after that. And, you know, you and I are both uh, 
terminal entrepreneurs. We just can't help it, you know, and, um, you know, and probably our personalities contribute to that as well. And, um, so, you know, I started with this information security startup and this is before the Sony hack, you know, when, uh, that really bad movie got hacked by South Korea at Sony and, and people, you know, were all of a sudden, you know, in, interested in information security. And so this was before that. And this company had like this really awesome, you know, solid encryption program that could move large bits of data, large amounts of data very quickly um, into end encryption. And, uh, you know, so I, I kind of, I didn't know anything about encryption at the time, but I went, um, I went with them figuring, you know what, hey, how can encryption be so hard? I'll figure it out, right? So um, so I started like going on Coursera and Udemy classes and encryption is really hard. Um, and this, this information security company had a great technology and they were able to pay me for about the first four months. And then, um, and then they kind of ran out of money, but the money was coming and, and, and I really did believe that the money was coming and so did they. But there were some Saudis involved and a crazy Finnish um, encryption specialist. So with that mixture, um, it all just, it blew up. But I stayed with the company without getting paid for about a year and a half after I quit getting paid. Because we, you know, I believed in the technology. I understood about encryption, finally, to understand how good it was. Um, But, you know, this is before the Sony hack. And, um Nobody really cared because they were using secure socket layer and they thought that was fine. Um, and it has not been fine for 10 years, but we still continue to use it. But anyway, I finally had to decide uh, that uh, that was not going to go anywhere. And um, so I left the company and, you know, tried to find another job. And, you know, being a woman of a certain age, and in a male-dominated field, it's very, very hard to get an interview. And if you do get an interview, it's very hard to get a job. And um, my husband had started an online publication. And uh, so he was rather entrepreneurial himself. And, you know, and I said, I've got to, you know, I've just got to find something. And uh, so I, I took this really, really, really bad job uh, working for a couple of artists who did high quality screen printed poster art. And it was a terrible job. The building was full of black mold. I don't know why they had, a, you know, thousands of dollars of worth of paper goods in a building with black mold, but they did. And, but they also had these little dish towels that they were, um, they were selling, they were selling for like $28 and no, Nobody buys a dish towel for $28, but they were really beautiful. And um, I was trying to get them to, you know, like, we should focus on that some more because, you know, my husband's company can, you know, can sell, can sell more of them. And, uh, you know, and finally uh, we had a, a, an agreement that I was not a, a good fit for their company. And that was fine because I was tired of the black moles filling my lungs, but, <laughs> but, you know, I was. You I was, just have such a prima donna. <laughs> I was using my fifteen dollar an hour pay for you know, to to buy all the allergy medication, <laughs> and um, and so you know my husband's company at the time was having some real financial problems, and I was like, 
you know, we need to make our own stuff. And, and we had, uh, you know, through our entrepreneurial, our dual entrepreneurial life, we, we moved from less and less expensive housing over the course of, you know, of, of two or three years. And uh, we wound up out in Clarkston, Georgia, which is right outside of the perimeter of Atlanta. And it's a, it's a very charming place. And uh, we moved into this little 1939 cottage with a two-story barn in the backyard. And uh, the person who put the barn in the backyard was uh, used to work for the Center for Puppetry Arts. And uh, so it was all tricked out with all the great, you know, all the right electrical uh, wiring and things like that. And uh, one of the things I learned in the black mold place um, was there was a screen printer right next door. And I got to actually see the screen printing process and got to meet the guy who did the screen printing process. And I, you know, he was a really, he was a master at screen printing, but I started to realize, you know what? I can screen print, you know, it's not that hard. I have a PhD in chemistry. How hard can it be? Right. So, um, so I, took a little class in screen printing and this two-story barn was doing nothing but holding um, all my China patterns because I have about three or four. And, you know, so there's a two-story barn in the backyard doing nothing but hold storage. And I said, I can put a screen printing shop in there. And so I took a class and then I bought like, uh, like a $2,500 kit of, uh, you know, a screen printing press and, and inks and all the stuff you have to do to make the screens and started making towels. And, um, that was, it would, and, and so that was something that my husband's company could sell to generate revenues. And that's kind of the long and winding way that I got to this place. So, um, so, I mean, it doesn't sound like you were necessarily thinking about this while you were employed, right? The, the, the way you tell the story, and correct me if that's wrong, please, is that, you know, one, one day you kind of had a job and the next day you were, you were in business <laughs> or something close to it. I mean, is that, is that accurate or was there a transition? Was there a plan? Well, it, 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 that... it, it was a long period of unemployment and, yeah. um, and it was like, you know, I've been a serial I've, I've either I've been an entrepreneurism junkie since graduate school, and yep. um, and I've always thought I was I was like you were mentioning before in the intro. It's like, well, if you're not really an entrepreneur, then then you just don't have any guts, you know. It's like if you just have a day job, then you're just kind of you're kind of uh, wussing out, and that's not necessarily true. And 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 actually, it is very nice to have a steady income. And, and I highly recommend it um, not having had one um, for, you know, for long periods of time. And so, but, but that was sort of the, the way that I thought I was, I've, I've either, I've either been an entrepreneur or I've been doing something to assist entrepreneurs. And, uh, and so I just, um, I, 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 I finally realized that I've got to be an entrepreneur because nobody's going to hire a woman over 50 in a male dominated field. And if I don't make it myself, I'm just going to have, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to have to go work in a library or, you know, a craft store, you know, if I don't make my own business and. You know, and, and I want to, I want to pause on that for a second because I do think that's, I do think that's really important. It's, you know, it's unfortunate that 
there is age age discrimination. And you know, I recently flipped the switch and and made and made uh, my fiftieth year around this. And um, you know, the the I kind of think about you know what would I be doing if I weren't still where I am. I'm a quasi expert. I'm an, I'm a part owner in my business. I'm responsible for my own PL, but it's it's different. But you know, if 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 you know, as as a man, even at, at at the age that I'm I'm at, you know, the likelihood that I'm gonna land a job is is quite low. Right. And I probably would have to start something on on my own. So I think that's important for a listener to think about is, you know, are you in a are you in a field or a scenario where age discrimination can be very real? And look, you know, we're, we're setting the line arbitrarily at 50. If you're out in Silicon Valley, it's 35. Um, you know, I read all kinds of, of, of stories about, you know, men are getting plastic surgery now and, and doing all kinds of things to keep themselves looking younger. And, and, you know, people are now hiding age from their resumes and their, you know, their LinkedIn profile, you know, that age discrimination is really, is real. And, you know, you may want to just sort of take stock of that and recognize, hey, you know, maybe I won't be the target of age discrimination, but I probably will. And that might go into the calculus. At least if you start your own business, you can't, you're not going to discriminate against yourself. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny, people are happy, even if you don't do what you've done, which is, you know, you're in the product business and we'll get to that. Even if you're in, if you're in services like me, somebody who would never hire somebody like me to be their CFO would happily hire somebody like me to be their outsourced contract CFO. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, it's purely a psychological thing. Um, but anyway, so the question, one question I want to kind of drill down because I, I think every entrepreneur goes through this. I have for sure when I've had my own business and even sometimes with my own practice, how do you, how did you keep from freaking out? I mean, you've gone, you got through long periods without an income because you made a bet on, you made some bets that haven't panned out. Um, and that's entrepreneurship. How do you keep from freaking out? Or maybe I'm even assuming something. Did you keep from freaking out? <laughs> maybe the answer is how did you recover from freaking out? <laughs> <laughs> well, I became a good and proper alcoholic, Mike. Okay. And, um, you know, and I think it started like when the, the information security company, started like I really not, it wasn't going to get some money, you know? And um, I mean, it's not like it popped up like a mushroom overnight. I'd been practicing for years, but um, the role of a lifetime, it it takes commitment. And, um, you know, and I, I used alcohol to uh, cover up my insecurities. I mean, I'd work all day, um, at something, but you know, at five o'clock, uh, you know, the stress of it all, the worry, um, I, uh, soothed that with a couple of martinis, um, and then more than that, um, a lot more than that. And, uh, I got sober about three years ago and that was when, um, my company started doing a lot better. And oddly enough, you know, when you're not hung over, um, you can focus on things and, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, one of the things I've realized um, more and more as I've, you know, gotten better at being sober and dealing, living with myself without uh, the the comfort of alcohol, um, 
you know, my beliefs limit me. And the more that I can uh, identify the, the negative of beliefs about myself and my value and my worth, the better I am at my company. And, um, you know, and I'm not saying that as like, you know, it's all my fault, but it is all my responsibility and it's all my choice. And, you know, and I can choose to look at the negative, <clears throat> excuse me, the negative sides of myself and, and, and question whether or not they're actually value, valuable beliefs um, or, you know, or I can just keep floundering away with all of my negative beliefs, you know, and it's like, I have to choose, um, I have to choose to, you know, to confront them. And, and the more that I confront them, um, the better I am at my business. Well, first, you know, congratulations. I'm, I'm glad that you're, that, that you're healthy and, and you're in a healthier lifestyle and a healthier place. And, and thank you for sharing that with our audience. I'm not sure that it, in fact, I'm quite confident most of our, our guests probably would not, but I think that's a, <laughs> I, I think that's a, I think that's a real thing. I think that struggle, um, you know, and, and, and I'll cop to this. I mean, when you're an, being an entrepreneur is a really lonely place. Yep. And, and, and the, the reason is, I think the reason it's so lonely is because really everything is your fault or <laughs> at least everything. <laughs> everything appears to be approximately your fault, right? I mean, yeah, things just sort of don't go your way. You know, you can't realistically predict that, yeah, we're going to get hit by a pandemic and then uh, massive social upheaval and then murder hornets and, you know, everything else, right? But, but you know, the, 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 <clears throat> the fact of the matter is, is that, is that uh, being an entrepreneur is not that different than doing a nude scene in a, in a worldwide film release. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's all out there. There's no hiding from yourself. <laughs> And it's all, I mean, literally it's, it's, it's self-exposure, but it's, it's exposure of the mind and the psyche, not the body. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cause <clears throat> you don't really have anyone else to blame. No, you and, don't. And, um, but I think blaming yourself is not the way to go because I've tried that a long for a long time and it's not very successful. Um, you know, there are, there are tools and resources that you can go to, to help, not necessarily, it doesn't have to be a psychologist. It doesn't have to be AA, but you know, there are, you know, coaching options for uh, helping you, you know, look at your limiting beliefs. And, you know, I just, uh, I have been surprised at all the limiting beliefs that I carry. And, you know, and those were the things that I used to drink over. And, um, you know, so it's, you know, like I would say, if you are in, in the throes of, you know, starting your own company or you're, you're in, in the desperate place of having to start your own company, um, have a little grace with yourself and, um, and, and seek out tools and communities that can help you confront your negative beliefs um, so that you can turn them into beliefs that are more empowering um, because, uh, you know, Going going into an entrepreneurship, believing that you're going to be a failure, is pretty much a good prescription for failure, and um, you know, and so it's it it is very lonely. And you know, you and I, Michael, are introverts, and and you know, I, I consider uh, 
I consider socialization as, you know, having a conversation with a checkout guy at the Home Depot garden center. You know, I'm good for a week. And um, that's that's pretty much all I need. But, you know, there are other people who are extroverts. And if you're an extrovert and you're going to be an entrepreneur, you need to you need to figure out, like, how are you going to get your people time and how do you make that productive? You know, and because, you know, because you can get very lonely and if you have any negative beliefs about yourself, they will ricochet around your brain all day long until you realize that they are not, they're not actually true. Yeah. And, and, you know, I I think those beliefs are, are natural. It's, it's the unusual person. And I would even argue somewhat psychopathic person that (laughs) truly doesn't have any self doubt that, that truly believes, ah, you know what? under my control i'm just going to do everything and it's all going to turn out great you know that you know um it's it's natural for fear and doubt and and you know but but courage is not the absence of fear it hurts mm-hmm. not the absence of fear the absence of fear is being a psychopath um <laughs> the, you know, and, and that's that's generally a very harmful individual um you know but but the ability to address and confront manage that fear and direct it into something that is constructive. That's, you know, that to me is a definition of courage. So I think a very important lesson we're already getting from this podcast and this interview is that, you know, if you're thinking about starting that business or you already have, and, and you're wondering if you really have it in you just because you have self doubt, you have imposter syndrome, or you tend to spiral and you tend to, you have anxiety and you're wondering where that next paycheck's going to come from. Um, those are actually healthy motivational and you know um for for and and all the people out there who are your competitors and you see on social media and everything is 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 just perfect you know i'm here to tell you it ain't but but people have now become very good self-marketers on on social media well yeah and that was one of the things um because, you know, I, I spent a lot of time thinking all these other people don't have problems because I'm just, you know, riddled with all these imperfections. And I was spending all this time trying to make sure that uh, nobody saw them, because if they saw them, then they would think I think less of me, you know, think think I would have less value. And um, the older that I get and the more you know sober that I get. Um, I realize that lots and lots and lots and lots of people have those same uh, same self doubts. Um, some of them, you know, don't really have to confront them, you know, because their, their lives are okay. But, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, it's like, you know, it's it's all right there in your face because you, like we said, don't have anyone else to blame. Um, and you know, that I, I try to incorporate some of that into my brand because, you know, like I get so tired of looking at these Instagram kitchens that are all perfect, you know, oh, and crazy. Oh, it drives me up a wall. It's and, 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 and it's debilitating to if compare yourself to that. Yeah. And, and I, and so when I was first starting out, like, you know, my, my, my big problem is like, I don't have problem working, you know, I, you, you know, like I, yeah. I can work all day. You know, I can do manual labor. Actually, I prefer manual labor. I have a complete collection of power tools and a pressure washer. 
And, um, you know, if you need to know how to use anything, come on over. I'll show you how to do it. I do because I'm a danger to myself and others with those things. I'll come out there. Exactly. So, you know, it's like I'm not afraid of work, but, you know, it's like the creative artistic side that I need for the company. Not so much, you know, and so my photography was just awful. And so I was comparing my photography to these perfect Instagram kitchen uh, kitchens, you know, not realizing they were using a Photoshop filter to make it all look light and airy, you know, like nobody's kitchen looks like that. Nobody's photography looks that, you know, you have to manipulate those pictures to make it look that, that bright and fresh. And, uh, you know, and it kind of dawned on me that, you know, so many brands are focused on the perfection, you know, and, you know, Southern living garden and gun, you know, all the, all these magazines, Everything, everything, everything's perfect. And I wanted a brand that had a little wiggle room, you know, and had, um, you know, I, I want to make things for Southern women who have a skillet uh, full of bacon grease sitting on the top of their stove because they just finished, you know, cooking something yesterday and, and you know, they haven't had a chance to clean up the skillet because you can't throw your iron skillet in the dishwasher. And, um, you know, it's like I... I, I want I want to have a brand that has some imperfections in it and um, cracks, you know, the the wabi sabi, you know, it's like the thing the thing is more beautiful because it's been repaired, and um, and and that and and I have tried to incorporate a lot of that in my brand because. I find um, the more I start to recognize my own self-doubt and my self-limiting beliefs, I realize more people have them. And I realize how damaging those perfect Instagram posts really are when you compare uh, when you compare that picture to the reality of your life. But the reality of your life is the messy uh, hurly burliness of, of your house. It's, it's like that because you're living your life and it's a life full of love, hopefully. And, um, you know, it's, you know, you're busy spending time with people you love than, you know, scrubbing the kitchen. And, you know, so, so that's, I, I do try to incorporate that in my brand so that people don't feel like, um, they don't feel diminished when they come and look at my products. And, and what a freeing thing it is to, to at least at some point, not give an F, right? Because. The, the the effort the effort in life that is required to go from eighty five to ninety percent good to one hundred percent perfection is is so much effort to go from that between that point A and point yep. B mm-hmm. that it it can break you um, yeah you know I you know I the nickname for for our house that I've given it and I'm gonna i give our listeners a little bit of inside baseball the life of Mike Blake here is that we call it barely legal. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the reason we call it that is not for the reason that that some people are going to think that that we, we call it that, but we call it that because that's the amount of yard work that we do. <laughs> we do the, the minimum amount of yard work to prevent us from getting a ticket from the police and having our neighbors show up to our house with torches and pitchforks, basically, <laughs> and not be sued for being the eyesore that lowers the value of somebody's house because I hate it and I detest it. Yep. And the only reason we own a house is because I need a house to keep all the crap that I own. Well, not crap, my collections that are near and dear to me, but I could not fit them in an apartment. But unfortunately, they do not make many, you know, 3,000 square foot apartments. Um, so here I am. Um, but, you know, I, 
but for a while it just crazy and that why why am i doing this yeah <laughs> well you know and it was it was making my work suffer it was, it was messing with my psyche and finally i said you know and it, I'm going to keep it barely legal. If that's not good enough, we're going to rip the whole damn thing up and put it in AstroTurf, <laughs> um, which I have researched. But anyway, so I, I'm, we'll, we'll keep going on this. I think I think the mental game of entrepreneurship is so important. It's it's one that I I still think about because I, th- I think so much of this is a mental game. Once you realize, well, so you talked about your insecurities. You talked about kind of one coping mechanism that you learned was not a very effective coping mechanism. Yeah. So once once you once you kind of emerged from that or started to emerge from that, I know it's a constant struggle, not a cure. But but uh, did did you start to then turn to any external expertise? Did you have advisors? Do you read books or are you know are you do you listen to any podcasts other than this one? How do you you know. One uh, one podcast I find really helpful is uh, a, a woman named Dr. Shannon Irving, and she has uh, a background in neuroscience. and And I don't know if it, probably a lot of a lot of your listeners at some point in their lives have listened to like a Tony Robbins or a Bob Proctor or you know, thinking sure. grow rich, you know, that, that, that sort of thing, you know, which I've, I've dabbled in, you know, uh, you know, in the secret, you know, the, the, the that was a big, that was a big hit for uh, a while. Four hour work week. But, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, you know, if you, you visualize it, it will, you know, the universe will send it to you, um, which doesn't work by the way. should want to have it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and what I like, you know, because a lot of that, uh, you know, seems a little too woo woo, you know, the universe yeah. is going to organize itself and, 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 and rain down success on you. Um, which is, uh, interesting. You think, well, gosh, I got to find this out, find out about this, you know, but it, it does, there is actually a neuroscience foundation in a lot of that. Um, it's just not ever presented in a neuroscience sort of way. And, um, and, Shannon Irving has breaks down, you know, she breaks down a lot of this, the neuroscience that, you know, your reticular activating system in the base of your brain um, is the sort of the pathway between your subconscious and your conscious. And, and if you can start sending you know, creating messages for your reticular activating system to, you know, start communicating back and forth between your conscious and subconscious, um, that's where you start changing or, or confronting beliefs. And I've, I've found that really effective and, um, and, you know, I just, you know, that has been the most effective thing I've found in confronting the negative beliefs because your negative beliefs are, are so automatic. They come from your childhood. You know, they are not your fault. Most of the time they got you know, imprinted into your brain when you were a small child and you couldn't tell any difference. Um, you know, and, and, and so like, I, I, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, I find like that perspective of the neuroscience of how the brain works and how the negative beliefs affect uh, your ability to succeed and how do you change your negative beliefs. That has been the most freeing thing for me as, and, you know, it's like, you can listen to, you know, like listening to a lot of business podcasts is like watching the Instagram profiles of all the homemaking, you know, of, of all the, you know, 
home goods, not not home goods, but like, Oh, it's so tedious. You know, it's like every, everybody's an expert. Nobody ever had any fumbles, you know? So, I mean, I, sometimes I find a lot of business podcasts to be just as demoralizing as watching the Instagram profiles of all these influencers and um, I really, I just, I can't do it. And, and, you know, because, because I have a science background, I like, I like things that can help solve my problem from um, a scientific perspective, which is why the secret and Bob Proctor and Tony Robbins never really did it for me. Um, but, you know, like when you break it down to like actual neurons, I'm golden, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to listen. And, and, and it actually does help. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting about those podcasts. And there, <clears throat> there are a couple that I listen to um, um, selectively, but but you're right. You know, a, a lot of them, a lot of them are basically um, the the interview goes something like this: Hey, thanks for coming on the show. How awesome is it to be successful? <laughs> it's really awesome, Jim. Thanks for asking. How are you? And it's really sort of forty five minutes of of sort of that back and forth is like. You know what the most awesome thing is about being awesome? It's the being awesome part, right? And that's, you know, where's, where's the learning? And, you know, I, I will say this, you know, one of, one of my favorite shows we've done on this show was, was uh, talking with uh, Milas King and about shutting down a business. You know, what, what is that process like? How do you get through that kind of thing emotionally? Because like, like Bill Gates said, success is a lousy teacher, right? And, right. and, and, you know, learn the, the failures, the failures are really where the, where the action is in terms of the learning. But of course, it's hard to get people to come on and talk about their failures. Um, cause that's, that's how we are. Um, yep. so let, let me, let me ask you this. Um, now thinking back to this particular, to this particular business in, in retrospect, and we've talked about the emotional aspect. What are the, the other one or two hardest things that you had to do to get this business going and off the ground? Uh, you know, learning, um, you know, marketing and self-promotion are really hard for me. And, and you know, I can, I can go and tout somebody else's um, – uh, achievements all day long, but I, I, I really have a hard time saying, Hey, look how great I am or look how, you know, or look how great this is. Um, and you using- don't even let people know you're alive. I had to find you through the witness protection program. <laughs> I know. I, I know. And, and, and that is, that is a shortcoming that limits my company. And, and uh, you know, I, Using social media, which is something which surprised me, because when you know, back in two thousand and eight, when I was working for the state in the innovation um, uh, department, you know, I was one of the first people in the state in state government to start using social media um, to promote my position, not really promote myself, but promote innovation in Georgia and. This is 2008. Everybody was losing their house. Um, my marketing budget got cut by about $75,000. And I was supposed to be this, you know, beacon of light to, you know, all these innovators down, you know, wherever in the state of Georgia. How do you reach them? And um, and so, like, I've been using social media for 
a long, long time. But then when you had to turn around and use social media to promote myself and my products and my company and say how great I am, um, that wasn't easy. And then also like the photography, you know, it's like learning. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty good photographer right now, especially when it comes to still lifes. You know, I've learned how to adjust the shutter speed and aperture and ISO of my camera. But uh, that was a long time in learning. I've taken a lot of really, really crappy pictures and posted them, um, you know, over the, over the course of you know the past two or three years. Um, you know, and that, that, that was really hard. And then also, you know, coming up with new designs, you know, the, the reason why my towels have the word y'all in American typewriter font screen printed on them is because I'm not a designer. So I just made words, you know, I just put Southern words on towels with no designs. Um, and part of that was intentional because there's a lot of really bad dish towel art out there. And I was going in the opposite direction. I just wanted clean, classic Southern words, um, clean, classic Southern designs. And understated, um, <laughs> understated goes with any decor, yeah. um, you know, black ink on white, on white towels. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to worry about anything clashing. And, but you know, that was, that. that's like, that's when I go on the business podcast, not yours, but like a really big, important business podcast, you know, I'm going to say that I would just intentionally went in a different direction than the, than the market, but it was really because I'm just not a very good artist and all I could screen print legibly and effectively was a word. And, um, you know, so, you know, so, but I have gotten better at some design and I have gotten better at my photography, but those were, those were real stumbling blocks, especially when you don't really want to promote yourself. And then you've got this crappy picture saying, Hey, look how great I am. And, uh, but I, I have learned a motto uh, that has helped me over these many, many years, just do something, even if it's wrong. And that has helped me immensely. Yeah, I I, I think I think that's that's great advice. You know, a a great plan never executed, never has anything uh, good come of it. And and for the record, by the way, I use the word understated because that was the word I used to get me through a lot of art exhibitions back when I was an investment banker in New York. (laughs) Everybody invited me, and I was expected to attend all these art galleries because that's where you'd find the high ticket clients. Um, So I was basically a poser. I even had the all black outfit and everything. But the one thing I knew I could always say, and nobody ever challenged me on, is if I said it was understated, then people always thought that was deep. So I just wanted to give that little hint out there. <laughs> if you want to be poser like me, use the word understated. Understated. <laughs> um, what's something that you wish you had done differently when you started the business? Um, if anything. Well, you know, I wish I'd quit drinking earlier. Uh, I wish that I'd had uh, confronted a lot of my doubts earlier and limiting self-beliefs earlier. Um, But, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, you can, one of the things that I do to myself uh, is that like when I have a breakthrough on like on a negative belief or I learn something and it becomes easy, I have this habit of turning around and viewing the entire scope of my life based on this brand new knowledge and judging it. Like, Mm. why didn't you figure this out 10 years ago? Why didn't you figure this out 20 years ago? Or, and, you know, and so I, 
I try not to go back and say, I wish I'd done something differently because I'm trying to break myself of that habit because it's like you work and work and work to try to get this new knowledge. And then the new knowledge becomes easy. And then you use that new easy knowledge uh, to look back on your life and judge yourself. And I think that's a bad habit for any entrepreneur, because if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to constantly be learning new things and you can't judge yourself for not knowing it back then. We are talking with uh, Stacy Reese of Down South House and Home of the Decision Division podcast on the topic is, should my next job be to work for myself? Um, we're, we're coming up on our, a lot of time. But there are a couple of questions I want to make sure that I get in. Um, what have you learned about yourself? I'm awesome, Mike. And success is really, really I could have awesome. told you that. <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> of course, you wouldn't have believed me, but. <laughs> I'll, I'll save it for a real business podcast to say that. So, uh, I'm no, but no, I actually, that is a little bit true. You know, it's like, I've got a lot to offer. And, you know, when, you, when you're looking at what are you going to do with yourself if nobody will hire you? Um, and this is cliche find something you love and, and do it. But it is kind of like find a niche, you know, the, the whole world is splintering apart. And with the pandemic, people are just gravitating to things that they love and provide them comfort. And so if there's something that comforts you, do that and be it, even if it's nerdy, you know, and, or even if you've been judged by it, by other people in the past, just, you know, what, what you have to offer other people need. And, um, and, 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 and I think that that's something I have found that as I've gotten a a larger social media growing uh, social media audience, I do provide some comfort and happiness through my social media posts and my products. And, and I want to keep doing that because what I've got, what I've got in my head is good and, and right and kind, you know, I'm, I'm trying at this age, you know, I'm, I'm no longer as, as snarky as I used to be. And, and I just want to be a beacon of, of grace and peace, you know, and, and if I can do that through my products and my social media, you know, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. And, and if you don't like it, you know, there are other options for you. See you later. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, that sounds like a great, a great place to be. So, so where is the business now? It is growing. It is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not buying a red Corvette with it. Um, but it is, it constantly grows and, um, and we are, I've got a great announcement. My husband, Chuck Reese, who's a wonderful writer, is coming on full time with me to you know write the blog post. And, you know, because one of the things I can't do is sit down and write an email or a blog post. And um, and those are really important things for cementing your brand. And he's a fantastic writer. And uh, and I'm I'm looking for the next the next year to be, you know, the the audience to grow a lot because he's well known as a writer and he's yep. going in a completely different direction. And I think it's going to be a great direction that people need to hear um, in this time of, of the pandemic. 
Stacey, this has been a great conversation. You and I could easily continue this for the next six hours. Yep. Uh, but our, our listeners would start to get cauliflower ear. <laughs> if, if people want to contact you for more more information about this topic, maybe they have a similar story or yeah. a similar mindset. You're always so generous with your time, despite Absolutely. your your introversion. And someday I think you're going to live in a missile silo. But um, how can people contact you for more information? Sure. You can reach me at Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at downsouth.house. And that's D-O-W-N-H-O-D-O-W-N-S-O-U-T-H dot house, H-O-U-S-E. And um, you can reach me uh, by email or you can uh, come to our website, downsouth.house, and all that contact information is there. You can reach out to me anytime. And this is the first on the Decision Division program. Somebody came on with a dot house domain extension. So <laughs> we're setting we're setting records every day here on this on this program. You're here to hear it first. Um, that's going to wrap it up for today's program. I'd like to thank Stacy Reese so much for joining us and sharing her expertise with us. We'll be exploring a new topic each week, so please tune in so that when you're faced with your next executive decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them. Once again, this is Mike Blake, our sponsor is Bradyware and Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast. <laughs>